Greetings, friends, and a very happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Um, this is Thanksgiving weekend, and it is also Christ the King Sunday, um, which is the last Sunday in the church calendar. And so I wanted to um, have an opportunity to uh, read the sermon that um, I will be preaching in Rock Hill on Sunday the 26th. Reading, first of all, from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 1 through 6, reading from the NLT translation. What sorrow awaits the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out judgment on you for the evil that you have done. But I will gather together the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their own sheepfold. They will be fruitful and increased in number. Then I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them, and they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord, have spoken. The church is a funny place. Hopefully funny, haha, but for sure, sometimes. But the church and its life and its calendar are, are just different. And let's be honest, sometimes hard to follow. So first of all, today is the last day of the church year. The, that's right. As we all know, or certainly most of us know, the church does not follow the normal lunar calendar, if you will. And today we finish the church year with a celebration called Christ the King Sunday. Beginning next Sunday, which is the first Sunday of Advent, we begin a new church calendar year. But we end every church year with Christ the King Sunday. It's our last chance to try to, to, to figure out, if you will, who this Jesus is and was, and forever will be. But before we begin looking for him to come again to us as a child in a manger, today we, we're going to explore four different scripture readings that can help us understand what it means to be a king and how we as Christians, as believers and followers, can call Jesus our king. In just a couple weeks, we'll, we'll hear, we'll sing, we'll read again the, the hymn, what child is this? And we'll proclaim in the refrain three different times, this, this is Christ the King, whom shepherd, shepherds guard and angels sing. But what kind of king is Jesus? And maybe just as important, what kind of king is Jesus not? During the time that this passage from Jeremiah was being written, the term shepherd actually meant king. Jeremiah uses the term shepherd to describe the kings living in his lifetime. Kings that he makes very clear have caused the fall of Israel. Their greed for power and prosperity leads them away from the justice that they are called to provide for the people, especially the poor, the widowed, the oppressed. But Jeremiah has expectations for a new kind of king, a righteous king a king that we believers and we Christians find fully realized in Christ Jesus. This king is not a military ruler, but provides a different leadership model, a model whose ethic is to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God, as in Micah 6, 8. 
This is the model that we're called to to emulate. So Christ, our king, lived not by brute force like the earthly rulers of Jeremiah's day, but by caring for others who needed him. Christ's power is not one of might, but one of love. He's our Lord and our shepherd, and because of him, we shall not want. Jeremiah rejects the kings of his day and points us to a new kind of king or leader, to the righteous branch of David, manifest in the life, the death, and of course the resurrection of Christ. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Psalm 46 is a much-loved psalm, and maybe that's because it boldly proclaims faith in God's protection and presence while still being realistic and honest about the way things actually are in the world in which we live. This psalm offers us a vision of of a faithful life that acknowledges the dangers and the difficulties that swirl around us, but but also helps us maintain an attitude of trust in God in the midst of these challenges. And what kind of God are we putting our trust in? Who is this Lord of hosts that is with us? This is a God who is with us in the face of natural disasters, a God who is with us during political chaos, and this is a God who is in our community with us, providing us with a place of peace and of protection. This psalm takes us through Many things of of Christ the King Sunday, sovereignty, or who is in charge and and who is the voice of authority, protection from the evils of this world, and power. Because in this psalm, God takes away the power we have over others by destroying the weapons of war. It's God who is in charge and protects us. And Psalm 46 reminds us that this powerful God is with us in the midst of the city, in the midst of of the neighborhood of our and our communities and our homes in the midst of our lives god with us god per- perpetually with us emmanuel this ever present god is the one king worth following and his name is jesus colossians 1 we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious powers so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ 
is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Paul writes this letter to new believers, to new Christians who are struggling to understand and follow Jesus. And he writes this letter to us because we all, if, if honest with ourselves, at times struggle to understand and to follow Jesus. And when we are trying to explain Jesus, it, it means being confronted with new ideas and new world constructs. Paul's worldview begins and is shaped by Jesus Christ, the firstborn of all creation, verse 15 there. Now, this is a radical shift that utterly changes the way that we look at the world. This is Paul's attempt to sort out the powers of the universe. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. Paul doesn't differentiate between heavenly and earthly or between spiritual and material. For Paul, everything, everything, all things and all powers have their being only because of God in Christ Jesus. And everything, all things and all powers ultimately exist to serve the purpose of God's creation as it comes to us and as it comes to its focus in Jesus. So we're now then transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, in whom we all have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. The rules are now different, and the ruler is different. All the assumptions about heaven and earth are, are changed because of Jesus, and Paul tells us that becoming a Christian, a believer, it's not just simply a matter of fitting Jesus into our present way of thinking. Instead, we are changed, we're transferred, we're moved, we're deported, if you will, from one kingdom to another and from one way of living to another. Nothing is as we have known it. Paul says that to follow Jesus, to allow Christ to be our leader and king, is to orient one's life in a new way. Paul's insistence that, that in Jesus all things hold together is another way to say that. Our faith in Jesus and in Christ gives us a way of looking at the world that is both large enough and consistent enough to address the questions and the problems that are going to confront us. And to then proclaim Christ as King is to acknowledge His Lordship over all of life and over all of creation. Luke 23. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed Him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on His right and one on His left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. 
The crowds watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if, if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with the words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. It wasn't until we get to this point that, that we realize the issue that we've been talking about in all four of the readings today is really the issue of power. Jeremiah tells us that God's power is love. The psalmist tells us that God's power is protection and presence. Paul teaches us that all the power that exists in the world have their being only because of God in Christ. And then Luke comes along and talks about human power. Human power at its worst. Not only is Jesus executed, he's humiliated. The leaders scoff, the soldiers mock, a criminal berates him. It's as if this passage is saying, we're not killing Jesus because he's powerful. We're killing Jesus because he's, he's a nothing who's pretending to be powerful. It's a very different version of power than our other scriptures today. When Jesus was not the powerful sword-waving Messiah that would clean up the nation of Israel and defeat the Roman Empire, he disappointed his followers. He was mocked on the cross because he would not do something king-like and save himself from death. It's like us saying, hey, if you're really God, then please act like it and answer our prayers. Use the power that you have to help us. But what kind of power does Christ our King have? He does have the power to save himself from death, but instead he uses that same power to forgive. Luke tells us that Jesus accompanies us and even asks for forgiveness on our behalf, even in the midst of violence and brokenness of all sorts. Jesus exhibits abilities and powers that are so different than ours. It is the power fit only for a king of kings. And so as we step into this next church year and its first season of Advent, it's my hope, it's my prayer that we can grow in our awareness of to what and to whom we give our own power. To whom do we give the power to tell us who we are? Who has the power to tell us whether or not we are valuable or successful? Who or what has the power to shape our moods and our minds, influence our decisions, tell us whether we are safe or unsafe, and help us to discern what is important and what is not? How might we act differently if we understand that through God, Jesus Christ is the power of powers? It's the power of love, the power of presence and protection, the power that rescues us from darkness and gives us redemption and forgiveness. It's the power that we're looking for when we say with the criminal dying on a cross, Jesus, 
Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Amen, and God bless.